morning, everybody. We are back again. Atlantic Discuss. I'm still your moderator and your host. I'm your anchor. It doesn't really matter. We're just here to discuss the facts. That's what we do at Atlantic Discuss. So that makes me say good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everybody. To everybody in the seven continents of the world. Antarctica, Asia, Europe, Africa, North America, South America. Seven billion people on the planet. It's not easy. Yes, and our job is to disseminate the news, just the fact. We know that they love negativity in the world, but at Atlanta Discourse, we just say the way it is, you know. We embrace humanity to disseminate positive news in a world filled with a lot of very, very bad news. We give a voice to the unheard, which remains our toga. We balance the information equation always, research and discuss the facts wherever it leads. We combine the best of the human race to bring the best out of mankind. We serve always as a bridge between the developing and the developed world. We embrace IT, business, sports, health, history, and faith-based issues always. We just don't shy away from the fact. That's why today we're having the sequel to the Tinubu paper, Fact of the Matter. This time we're looking at the Tinubu paper, Fact of the Matter, and politics of the 2023 election. It is an inexhaustible topic. There's a lot to talk about. Today we have a fantastic, extraordinary legal luminary with us. We need to put a legal touch to everything. Nigerians, we all know, are extraordinary people. We are the most educated migrating block to almost five to four of the seven continents I just said. There's no way you don't find Nigerians. So people ask me, why are they? Why do you talk about Nigeria all the time? I tell them, one out of every four sub-Saharan African is a Nigerian. One out of every six black person in the world is a Nigerian. Even in the United States, Nigerians are the most educated migrating bloc. Individually, we have done very well. I think collectively, there could be a little aberration here and there. But then we have to forge our way forward. Nigeria has been tagged a corrupt state in the past, with 419 being a major issue. Now it's looking like, oh, drugs might be reoccurring. Nigeria might be the new narco state. Well, we don't know. Only time will tell. That's why today we brought a very special guest to you, you know, so that we can trash all these issues. You give us a legal angle to it, the international perspective and everything that entails. Today we have with you Samuel Adewusi. Welcome, Mr. Adewusi, sir. Welcome to Atlanta Discuss. Thank you, sir, for the invite. And um, I say good day to your viewers and your you. audience. We're so excited to have you. But I need to tell you guys more about our guest. He's a lawyer by all ramifications. And Samuel Adewusi is a practicing attorney in Maryland and Washington, D.C. His practice areas include immigration law, family law, international business transaction, and personal injury law. Moreover, he's a skilled negotiator in complex contracts transactions. He graduated from the University of District of Columbia with BA in political science in 1991. In 1995, he obtained the Doctor of Jurisprudence, JD, degree from the David Clark School of Law. Mr. Deosu was admitted to the Maryland Bar in 1996 and the District of Columbia Bar in 1998. He served on the DC Criminal Justice Act CGA panel from 1997 to 2001. In 2005, Mr. Deosu was admitted to the U.S. Supreme Court Bar. In 2020, he earned Master's of Science in Cybersecurity Law and policy from the Carrier School of Law, University of Maryland. He was the principal partner of the law office of Samuel G. Adewusi, located in Silver Spring, Maryland. 
Mr. Adeusu was elected as the president of Edu Technology Advisory Board in 1999. He held the position until 2007. Furthermore, he served as president and general counsel for the African Artists Collaborative Incorporation, that's AAC, and the African Artists Collaborative Association of Nigeria, that's the AACA, from 2006 to 2008. AAC is an intellectual property advocacy group for artists from developing countries. So in 2010, he was elected as president of the Washington, D.C. chapter of the Nigerian Diaspora Organization America, that's the NIDOA, which I'm also a member. From 2013 to 2015, he was elected as the regional director of the District 2 of NIDOA Americas. From September 19 to 2015 to September 2017, he served as the chairman Continental Board of Trustees for NIDOA. In March 2021, he was elected as the president of Nigerian American Law Association, NALA, that's N-A-L-A, with a single term ending in April 2022. Mr. Ade currently serves as the chairman of Nigeria America's ICT group and practice law in the state of Maryland, District of Columbia. Mr. Ade is the author of a book titled USA Immigrant Manual, currently on sale on Amazon Book. I promise you I'm going to purchase that after this interview. <laughs> Mr. Samuel Adeusi, welcome to Atlanta Discuss. We're very excited to have you. So Thank you, sir. Here we keep the ground running. We don't waste time. I mean, we're excited to have you. Our viewers are Thank obviously you. going to have a lot of fun listening to you. So first question for you is, can you give us an overview of the 2023 election, its implication for Nigeria at 63? Considering the cost implication for the election, INEC transparency, and the 2022 Electoral Act as amended, all in one. So take your time, sir. Well, <laughs> the 2023 Act as amended was a law that we were tracking its development when it was still in the bill stage. If you recall, when the bill was passed by the, um, I think it was the ninth. NAS, I'm not sure if it was the 8th or the 9th NAS, where Bukola Saraki was the Senate president. That law, there was a reason why it was passed. And most of the major impact of that particular act is the electronic transmission of election results. I remember it took some time before Buhari actually signed it. Buhari signed it, and as soon as, it, as the APC people actually read it, ah, they kicked against it, and they went to court. And the court actually ruled against them and let the act stand as it is. So that act, and especially the electronic transmission of results, was the thing that gave people hope that the election in 2023 would not be business as usual. Now, fast forward. If you recall that based on the electronic transmission and all the logistics that followed it, that was why INEC under Mahmoud got so much money because you mentioned the cost, got so much money so that they can implement that particular portion of the electronic transmission. But for the electronic transmission and the logistics associated with it, they wouldn't have been able to budget so much money from the Nigerian treasury. So you can see the cost implication. So apart from the wastage that occurred when the PEPPT, the appeals court ruled that the electronic transmission didn't matter. It was as if the electoral act of whatever year it was, was dumped. And the money spent in preparing for the electronic transmission was totally wasted. So that is where we are. Now, when you are talking about INEC transparency, 
I believe that this current INEC, if the word transparency is sitting in their office, I don't think they will recognize it. Actually, I have a feeling they will lock it out when it comes to transparency. The reason being that when you conduct an election, number one, when you do not do electronic transmission as called for, and when the time comes for you to now go ahead and you know, tell people so that people can see what was transmitted and the result itself, INEC has been very, very opaque. Actually, I think, I don't know what stronger word I can use than opaque. Maybe you can say totally dense. Because when you look at the fact that what they were supposed to do is to transmit electronic results, let's leave that alone. But the results that were transmitted, even the results that were transmitted, how can you now have over 8,000 pages of blank results on the IRA? Think about it. When other parties, PDP, LP, when they were requesting for certified true copy that they had to pay for, INEC gave them over 8,000 of, you know, I don't know if it was 88,000 or something like that. I, can, I don't have the correct figures in front of me. They gave them blank copies as results. And what is even worse that they were uploading things that had nothing to do, like, like physics reports, somebody's faces, you know, drawn up on the reports. That is very, very far away from transparency. Also, if you recall that at present, INEC has not given anyone, including the EU that funded it and other agencies in, on the other world against international agencies that funded it, the total result that actually made the current occupant of the ASO rock, let me say, temporary occupant of the ASO rock, it hasn't given anybody the overall results that actually gave him the figures needed to be sworn in as the president. So there is nothing we are talking about transparency. That is as much overview as I can give right now. And um, if you have a follow-up questions, please let me know. Well, no problem. But the thing is, it's Atlantic discourse. So it's usually a discussion too. There will be a lot of okay. questions to ask Very you. Good. So we also have an opinion also. So, but you're not too far okay. away from the facts, actually. We all know you don't have to be partisan to be courageous to tell everybody that. However, mm -hmm. we... Mahmoud Yakub, Professor Mahmoud Yakub, arrived at the final tally is still unknown. It's unknown, yeah. It's everywhere. And I'm sure even those that were declared winners do not have those figures. Because I know that in uh, 2023, 2007, 2011, and 2015 election, even 2019, which had his own shortcoming, where they tally, you know, what to yes. what, or pulling boots yes. and what have you. So, yes. yeah. But which leads to my next question. I haven't seen all that. Like you said, the cost implication was high, 350 something billion. Let's put it at yeah. 350. I know, yeah. Huge amount of money. America, money came from Europe, you know. More than 50% of that money was for technology, actually. Technology that they now told us did not work. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Anyway, so do you think based on this past reputation of INEC not conforming with the 2022 Electoral Act as amended, the INEC chairman said, okay, in the upcoming Imo and Kogi election, they are going to adhere to that same constitution. Do you think INEC should be trusted? No. Basically, no. The only thing that you can believe from INEC right now, listen, 
INEC was actually behaving like a political party. If you look at their brief and submissions during the last stint at the appeals court, they were actually holding briefs for the APC. You will think that INEC is actually a political party. Now, the only reason why you may believe them is if, perchance, the APC candidates is going to win and they have mastered what they needed to do to make sure that that happened, then they may do electronic transmission. But I don't even trust that. Because if Mahmoud Yakub or whatever his name is, can go down to Chatham's house in front of the whole world and reassure the international community and the Nigerians. Remember, international communities gave him money. They gave them hard currency, not Naira, okay? And he can assure them with a straight face that the 2023 election will be transmitted electronically, all of them. It doesn't mean that the presidential one will be shortchanged and just one part will be transmitted. So if you can tell people who gave him hard currency, if you can tell them a bald-faced lie, as long as he's heading that agency, that INEC, I don't believe anything he says. And anybody who believes it, you know, I want to sell them the third mainland bridge at a very reasonable cost. <laughs> All right. You're a lawyer, clearly, and a legal luminary at that. You know, you are very good at what you do. And I've read your resume to our listeners. And you're an international arbitrator. You, you're good with investment, immigration, and all that. So I'm going to I'll go to something that happened at the appeal court, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. the way they ruled, you know, there were about five major grounds, I think seven, when you add for APM, PDP, and Labour Party mm -hmm. cumulatively. Mm -hmm. But I'll delve on about one, two, or three that I want you to talk about because on the issue of double nomination, uh, I wanted mm -hmm. you to address the, the way the appeal court ruled on it. Also, on the forfeiture issue, I wanted you to, to talk about that, you understand. So, because you, we all listen to the court, they just swept it aside as if they were non-existent. The way they, I think even on the double nomination, their excuse was that whether there was time lapse or whether they broke the law was immaterial. That a president can never run without having a vice president. So whatever the law says doesn't really count because the president cannot run alone without having a vice. So I need to shed more light on that for the privilege of those that do not know the nitty-gritty of that. I'm sure you know, you've read the judgment very well. Secondly, mm -hmm. on the forfeiture of uh, $460,000, well, Mm -hmm. Which was clearly from the judgment said it was forfeited because it was proceed of heroin trafficking or proceed of heroin uh, drug business. I mean, it was clearly mm -hmm. written. So it's not that I'm saying it, it's, it's clear in the certified true copy and it's common knowledge. So the court also threw that out with other. So can you shed more light on what the appeal court did and what you think they should have done? Over to you, sir. Well, the simple thing that the appeals court should have done is to follow the constitution. Um, that September 6 ruling practically jettisoned the Nigerian constitution and the electoral acts, period. And if the constitution of any country has been jettisoned by the highest court in the land, it means that everything that flows from that, especially if you are supposed to be practicing democracy, ends. So I remember one of the vice president candidates in the last election, I will not mention names, said that if Tinubu was sworn in, democracy ends. He wasn't lying. What is the basis of a country that is supposed to be operating on its own constitution and the laws, and it's not following the law? Think about it. Because it means that if you are not following the law, if you are not following the constitution, it means that there is no justice. 
And we know what happens in any country where there is no justice. It's as simple as that. But let's look at the double nomination. The Constitution of Nigeria clearly said certain things regarding double nominations. It says that you cannot, you know, there are certain timelines in which you have to nominate someone. And when you are holding a particular, if you are nominated for one particular office, you cannot be nominated for another until you have satisfactorily resigned from that particular first nomination before you can move on to the second nomination. It's a simple thing. Even you don't have to follow constitution. It's a matter of not eating your cake and having it. A matter of morality. It doesn't even have to be legal. How can you be holding two nominations at the same time? It doesn't even equate with a matter of simple arithmetic or justice. But listen, because we know what happened at the appeals court, and the appeals court just suddenly said no. But the facts are there. Tinumbu himself made a statement in a news clip, and it was tendered at the court because we all follow the court proceedings mm -hmm. with the evidence that were adduced by the opposition to APC. They clearly said, you know, where Tinumbu said certain things that he's considering somebody. So which means this person, as at that time, was holding the first nomination. And that nomination hasn't been done. And then there was the letter that was issued straight by the party themselves, by the APC itself. And if you look at that, the dates on the letter, it clearly shows that this person still held the nomination past the date when his second nomination could have taken place. So we knew clearly everybody that can follow simple facts understand that the constitution and the facts were not followed by the appeals court. Now, to the second question, I think you raised the question of forfeiture. Am I correct? Yes, Is that the yes, second sir. question? Well, yes. if you recall, one of the spokesperson for the APC, who is quote and unquote a lawyer already tried to put this out there before the courts actually ruled. So it looks like the appeals court actually adopted the APC spokesman stuff that says, listen, if you forfeited money, especially in the United States, and as a result of a criminal substantive action, and that money, you had to forfeit it. Guess what? It is not you that actually should be charged with the crime. It is your account. And would you believe that the appeals court actually adopted that line? So APC lawyer said something, APC spokesman said something, and the appeals court adopted it. The Yoruba people said, who doesn't know that I would translate it for our non-Yoruba speaker that says, the witch cried yesterday and an infant suddenly dies the next day. From, from people, you can see the correlation. So, but the issue, another issue that was even more egregious was that the Supreme Court itself had a precedent that was set that says, and one of the judges, one of the judges that is still alive, ruled clearly. So apart from just simple matter of common sense, that ruled in Nigeria now, not in the US, that says that anybody that had a forfeiture, that that forfeiture is a crime. And it was a ruling that against one of the Abacha people when they were trying to get money that was seized by the Nigerian government. That that particular forfeiture is deemed a criminal matter. Now, coming back to the United States, so we left Nigeria alone, coming back to the United States, sir. And I want your audience to understand this. 
I mean, you've clearly stated it. I don't have to repeat it. I just want to emphasize what you said, that the court records in the United States clearly stated that this forfeiture was as a result of illegal acts, underlying illegal acts. That was why that money was forfeited. So you are now looking at yourself and say, how can people just ignore facts? How can they ignore the precedents set by the Nigerian court? Then, you know, you just say to yourself, well, the Nigerian judiciary is not the last hope of the common man. It's as simple as that. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. We're still on Atlanta discourse here. We have Samuel Adewusu with us. He's, he's a lawyer, international lawyer. His expertise includes immigration, investment, arbitration. He has written a book I think you all should read. You know, so, I mean, he's just breaking it down the way it is. And it's always good to have a, a legal opinion. But there's no way we're going to talk about INA collection, of course, based on the topic of today without talking about President Tinubu proper. I mean, what's your general overview on the Tinubu paper certificate? I'm going to give you as much time as you want on this from the time we're looking at age, qualification, forfeiture, forgery, and everything that entails. It does look, in our opinion, and we said in the episode before this, that there seems to be a pattern. So I don't know, well, how do you see this legally? And can you, in your own words, examine everything that's been discussed vis-a-vis -vis the president and give us an opinion on it? Over to you, sir. General overview, maybe because I went to law school in the United States. I started for the bar in the United States, and we basically deal with, you know, they said that um, case law in the United States is usually sometimes 90% facts and 10% law. So you look at the facts, you look at the evidence, and you take go from there. As at now, four different dates of births have been found for this person called Bola A. Tinumbu. They have two at the Chicago University. Let me see if I can find the exact dates for you. I think I took some notes here. In the CSU documents, they have March 3, 1954. Then they have another one in the CSU uh, documents now, March 3, 1952. Now, there is another date that is different from this particular date on the visa page of Bola A. Tinumbu using the name Bola Hamed Chinumbu. And then there was a search that was done by uh, netizens, which means people who know how to you know, do this online. There was a registration for company, a company registration in the United Kingdom gave another date. So this particular occupier of the White House, I mean, Asorok, Asorok is also painted white, I'm sorry, <laughs> is, has four different dates of birth. We are not talking about names now. Now, we believe that belatedly, there was another time when, I think uh, end of September, early October, where the Wikipedia entry for Bola Ahmed Tinumbu has now been updated to include Adekunle, Bola Ahmed Adekunle Tinumbu. So instead of B-A-T, now its initial is now B-A-A-T, but so, and you, one, we are wondering, some people are wondering, uh, how could that happen? After all these years, this guy has been, you know, in politics for a long time, in government for such a long time. How come you are now updating the Wikipedia to add another name? It was because sometimes ago, Bola Ahmed Tinumbu submitted an NYSC certification claiming that he 
completed NYSC. But the name on that particular NYSC certificate, it actually has a name. The Ahmed is missing from that NYSC certificate. It is now Bola Adekunle Chinubu. So that is why belatedly, when they saw that that was happening and people were raising the issues, that's when they had to belatedly now go online to add Adekunle to the list of names of Bola Ahmed Chinubu. That is, you know, a short overview date of birth, and myriads of names. Now, if you look at the transcripts from Chicago University, Mr. Westberg, who is their registrar, current registrar, says that he can categorically say that Bola A. Tinumbu attended CSU, but he cannot categorically say that that middle initial is Ahmed or what that middle initial is all about. Now, another thing that we find out was that in the transcripts, that was some of the transcripts that were sent from Delhi College, we find out that the sex, the gender of the person that transferred from Delhi to CSU is actually female. I think probably some of your audience already knew that. So if Bola A. Tinumbu is a female person that transferred to Chicago University, how come the person that graduated is now male? Now, we are going to leave that aside. But understand this. In the transcript also, this is a swan, you know, this is a transcript. This was, remember now that trans, when we say transcript, this is actually what they call oral deposition or oral interrogatories that was done under oath by the person being deposed. So remember now, when I keep saying transcripts, you have to put in mind that all the statements in the transcripts were made under oath and being supervised by a court official, which is now the magistrate judge that issued the initial ruling in that case. So bear with me now. So when I keep saying transcript, I'm trying to make sure that you understand the implications. So the other thing in the transcript was that Bola Ahmed Tinumbu, some of the certificates, some of the documents that were submitted, Bola A. Tinumbu, when he or she came down to that particular school, especially at CSU, had some requirements. I don't know, some of your audience, I don't know where they're going to school since they are all on the six continents. And I believe I've spoken with some Nigerian college university students also that if you have certain requirements and you don't meet them, they will ask you to do something they call carryover or you will not be allowed to graduate. You may get your diploma, but they won't check you out as fulfilling all the requirements. At that particular time in 1979, you need 120 credit hours to graduate. Bola A. Tinumbu only had 105. So... Without the requisite 15 credits needed to graduate, Bola A. Tinumbu could not graduate. Follow me now. So if you have 20, 120, and you have 105, it means you have 15 credits hours to go. And the transcripts, sworn under oath, statement under oath says that the certificate that was issued to Bola A. Tinumbu is still in their files at CSU. Now you can now tie the two together that the reason why the certificate is still in the file at CSU is because the requirements for graduation was never met. Think about it. And then there was another requirement which he was supposed, this guy was supposed to finish something called English 222. And the mathematics qualifying exams. When you enter into college at certain particular time, you have to, if you don't, if they look at your requirements and they see that you didn't have some requisite subject matter. They ask you to go ahead, either take the exams or you know, show proof that you actually had those or you do what they call qualifying exams. If you recall, one of the GCE results that was submitted by Bola A. Tinumbu 
did not have English in there. It only has three subjects and they were all science subjects. And I'm not sure that that particular, I'm not looking at it right now. It doesn't have math requirement. That's why CSU wanted this Bola Etinumbu person, whoever he or she is, to go ahead and finish those qualifying exams before they can actually graduate. So Bola Etinumbu did not finish all the requirements needed to be a graduate at CSU. So that was, that was the reason why the certificate or the diploma or the degree, whatever it is called, is still lying in file at CSU. Now you can now ask yourself, well, where did this person get the certificate that he or she, well, he, now that we know that is a male that graduated, submitted to INEC in 2022 prior to the elections. Now this is where the matter you know, gets very interesting. Going back now, so I keep going back to transcripts, oral deposition, oral, trans oral interrogatories done on the oath clearly states that Chicago University, Chicago State University, CSU does not recognize, has never seen the certificates, the degree, the diploma that Tinubu presented to INEC prior to the 2022 elections. One, it was then, they, you know, they tried to break it down. They asked, okay, why could you say that? They said, well, for a starter, this particular certificate doesn't meet our standard of diploma that we issued in 1979. And they actually had a sample for the court to see. The court saw that this diploma issued in 1979 doesn't have the same font, even if it has the same font, it doesn't have the same letter, it doesn't have the same logo that belonged to the university. And to make the matter worse, the people who were supposedly signing that particular degree or diploma that Sibubu submitted to INEC, those people were not even working at CSU in 1979. So I remember some of the APC defenders were like, oh, look at that particular transcript and tell me where it's particularly say forgery. And I'm looking at them, I said, yes, we are being clever. But the point is that we have substantial facts. You have substantial evidence that clearly states that the certificate issued to Bola A. Tinubu is still lying in file at CSU. So I think it was Billy Sherlock Holmes or one of those, you know, the uh, Conan Doyle Lulu Sherlock Holmes that says when you remove all the extraneous garbage, whatever you have left is the truth. If you, the certificate that was supposedly issued for this person who needs more requirements to graduate from CSU was not picked up, anything else that this particular person submit to anyone is not that certificate still lying in the file at CSU. And it can only be one thing, forgery, period. You don't need to go to school to understand that. You don't need to be a genius to understand that. It's as simple as that. So, and then the last thing that the APC was saying was like, oh yes, he used a third party vendor. If you look at the transcript again, Mr. Westberg, the registrar clearly says that they don't use the third party vendor. That they had a simple form that you fill out. You pay $8 or you pay $26.50 in case you want it mailed to you. If you want to pick it up, you go down there and pick it up. You know, it's as simple as that. They don't use a third party vendor. So the only thing that is now left is that the certificate tendered by Tinubu to INEC was clearly forgery, fake. If it doesn't exist, it was just manufactured, period. So 
basically that is where we are. Then if you're looking at more overview, if you look at the college, if you look at some of the documents that were also presented to the courts, you know, according to the transcript, this gentleman clearly said that, oh yes, he went down to government college, Lagos. He graduated in 1970. Well, the good thing about it is that there is a record of when Government College of Lagos was established. The Government College of Lagos was established in 1974. So there is a word that they now use in Nigeria, it's called Ido, which is magic. Tinubu, who is now considered an Ido by himself, is able to graduate from a high school that was not established four years <laughs> before he graduated from that particular high school. So uh, only an Ido can do that. So basically, what you are looking at is just foundations of lies, foundations of lies, building block of lies. And when a slight wind blows like this, especially blows away from the corrupt you know, environment of Nigeria, it just exposed the whole pack of lies, the whole building of lies, foundation of lies just tumbled down. That's it. Interesting. Very interesting. I love your analysis. I love it. I'm so I'm sure our viewers will be very intrigued by it. But let me also add to this because, like I say, Atlantic is what we discuss, you know, we don't like it to be a monologue. So yes. we, we do okay. a lot of research. I've been researching and fortunately I've read the deposition. And mm -hmm. to add to what you said, I can't remember his first name, but the registrar, I think Weisberg. Weisberg, yes. Weisberg. Weisberg, yeah. He said the certificate with INEC did not emanate from them. He was very clear on that. Yeah. He was emphatic on the fact that the Bola A Tinumbu, whichever male or female that attended that school, there's no record showing he or she ever requested for that document that could have cost yes. dollars or maximum $26.50. Yes. So we just have to put that out there. These are just the facts. There's no so the truth is that if you are so yeah, if you're supposed to have 120 credit, you only have 105 and you didn't fulfill the remaining 15. So clearly you never graduated, irrespective of no. whether it's a or a sheep. So yes. now Mr. President said in Chatham House, the world has the world heard him that he has yes. received, he has collected his original oh. certificate from Chicago State <laughs> University, which clearly is a lie. But you know, you, know to do with... you know what is interesting now is that yes, Mamudu went to Chatham House to lie through his teeth, and Tinumbu followed soon thereafter on BBC to lie through his teeth. You, you know, they say, so when you are now telling lies, at least you get, you know, it is a good thing to keep your lies local. Mm. But now you are not putting your lies internationally. Think about it. What does it do to you, your country, the image that you are supposed to have, any integrity that you probably didn't have to begin with, when the whole world can see what you said and what is actually the fact on the ground? Think about As it. As a matter of fact, there was something David Undey said, fantastic guy. You know, we've interviewed him here yes. like thrice. Yes. And I think we're having him. Yeah, we're having him in another week from now. He said that he went to a website called Diploma.com, you know, mm -hmm. and you know, he made a request to have a Chicago State University diploma. And what came out yes. was exactly, you know, minus yes. the name. So it was clear that whoever did it for him got it from yes. there. Yes. And the, the logic there is that why should you forge, I mean, forge, so to say, what? a certificate of, of a school you said you attended? I mean, what do you think about that? You know, from what you well, said. Well, look at it this way. If 
you came from certain environment, all right? Let's say you came from certain environment and um, your predisposition is towards crime and to live large. Hmm? Then it behooves you that when you manage to go overseas, understand this, this is very, very important now. Because sometimes people usually say, well, some people were just you know, committing crimes because they were poor, because of poverty, lack. But if you look at the history and the antecedents of this particular guy, it is as if there is this inborn greed and avarice. How much can one person loot and steal first before you can say, I want to stop? But let's leave it at that. If you, based on the conjectures that we have on the ground, and we're still waiting for the FBI and the other file. So as a lawyer, I'm not going to say what, as of course, there has been reports, investigations by David Umdei, and now he's one of the greatest journalists in this generation. And Nigeria is really, really lucky to have him. Even the whole of West Africa, because if not for his journalism, you know, exposed the other day, we would have gone to war in EJ. But that is an aside. But, you know, I just want to give prop to him, proper prop to, uh, you know, David Mundane. But the thing is that based on the investigations, other places that, you know, I think it is Gis Lover or Gis Blog, you know, uh, this guy, they did some investigation and find out that the original name of this particular occupier of the Asso Rock, this current occupier of the Asso Rock, was not this current name that he's using. If you commit crimes under certain particular names and you probably went to jail, according to their investigations. And that name, nearly people, it's been circulating online for a long time now. Amodash, Angudele, and all that good stuff. Ogunlele. Now, if you went to jail, you committed crime. You committed not only one crime, but crimes under that, that particular name. And you, your wish. So let's say at that particular time, if that is the name is that Amodash, Angudele, Ogunlele, it's when you went to school. Hmm? where you actually got something that probably got you to the United States. But you went in there, instead of focusing on what you are supposed to do, you are started running around doing illegal acts. And you had to go to jail. But then when you now, these are just conjectures now, because as a lawyer, I cannot categorically say this until we have DEA files released. And you now decide that for you to make a clean break and do other stuff, you need to assume another identity then all these forgeries will be needed. Once you assume that identity has to be maintained at any cost, but then assuming the identity and just living a life, a, a life of, okay, so I'm getting this money, everything is okay, but you had, now had other ambition. And the amb that particular ambition is to rule the nation at all costs. You see what I'm saying? That is why I talk about greed and avarice. If you cannot say, okay, listen, you know, this is where I am now. I've done this. Let me move on. You know, I have managed to launder money. I've managed to do all, all this stuff. Let me live happily thereafter. But you decided that you want to be in politics. You decided that you want to go ahead and rule this country. Then all these forgeries will be necessary to keep on patching up. That, you remember that house of lies that I told you about? You will need to keep patching it. Because as soon as, remember, somebody said that, um, I think it was Anbo Aka or somebody, you know, if you remember Ganifawa, he took Chinubu to court. When it was around 1999, when he was trying to run for the governor of Lagos State. Remember that the case went all the way to the Supreme Court because the, the judiciary wasn't as compromised as this one. He was actually found to have forged all those documents. 
But if they cannot jail him, the court cannot issue any penalty because at that time he was a serving governor and he had immunity. Look it up. So if that was the case, then you need to keep continuing to go ahead and keep, because as soon as somebody exposed something, then you have to go ahead and you know patch something and punch something else up. So once they find out that these lies were being exposed one by one, remember we had the you know, government college in Ibadan. Okay, I think I have the dates right here. Uh, he swore in an affidavit that he when he attended government college Ibadan from 1965 to 1969. Guess what? Government college Ibadan was trying to recognize some of the alumni, famous ones. And it was until they start, somebody alerted them and they started searching the records. They find out that there was nobody by that name in their school. So once he find out that those lies have been, so he has to go ahead and invent another one. Then he said that he went to this school, St. Paul's Children Home School from 1958 to 1964. But the school itself wasn't established until 1968. So you see the pattern. So basically, you now look at this stuff and you keep saying to yourself, what kind of stuff is that? But you know, the one that is even interesting was that as far back as I believe it was in 2011, was it 2011? I'm not sure if it was 2011, when the EFCC sent a letter to the FBI, the FBI office attached to the U.S. Embassy or Consulate in Nigeria, yeah, they said that there was no record of attendance of Bola A. Tinumbu, the former governor of Lagos State, attending CSU, Chicago State University. And then before, in some of the affidavit that we saw, he clearly stated that he attended University of Chicago. Somebody just went down there and said, listen, let's go ahead and find out. A private detective agency called Myers in went ahead and did a search. They find out that there was no record of him in the University of Chicago. So that was why when you look at the forms that he submitted, the forms that he submitted to the EFCs in 2022, he didn't mention any elementary school or primary school, and they did not mention any secondary school. And the only thing he mentioned was the CSU and daily college. But we are now finding out that those also may not be correct. So it is a long list of something, but like I said, when you say why fudge, you will have to keep on fudging when you do not have anything to back you up. That is why all the fudgings are necessary. You see where I'm coming from? Mm -hmm. Clearly. So that is that is where we are. That is where we are. <laughs> There's nothing to add to what you said. I'm 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 watching with you know because most of these things I'm aware of it. You understand? I'm ready. Yeah. So I'm so happy that you're saying it because I've been accused, you know, that I have something personal again. I said no. I even told people that as a matter of fact, I like his sagacity. You know, is that. The boldness to get away with bullshit. I'm sorry. That is that is that is a real feat when anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm surprised that does I make people screen at all because all these things are no brainer. You know, the inconsistency no. from 99 to date and all that. So <laughs> anyway, my what? next question is: Will and should the Supreme Court accept? the document based on the deposition, the court judgment in America that has been submitted by no. the article cap. You know, no. I know they, of no. clearly the APC has said mm. it's, it's a lot of you know, if, rubbish that they shouldn't accept it. But do you think that the Supreme Court will no. or should? Or what does the law say? Well, well, under the law, actually, the Anglo jurisprudence, legal stuff where we are, when the court rules say that 
for the courts to admit or not admit something or the courts to render judgment or the courts to take certain actions that it is under the court's discretion, which means it gives the court the leeway to do so. Because of that particular leeway, and this particular court is under Ariwola, and we find out that not only is it under Ariwola, we find out that Wiki and the rest of them, and uh, Mary Odili, had been you know, pressuring the judges. Even if the court uses its discretion to accept the evidence, he would totally ignore it. Well, several will say, well, why are you so gone go? Because just recently, another appeals court just disqualified APC opponent for so-called mm -hmm. forgery of documents. Would you believe it? I In the judgment rendered just few days ago. I think, I think I've counted about five from the House of Reps alone. There'll be five have yes. been removed based but, on certificate forgery. Yeah. Remember now, most of these people are APC opponents. Hmm. Or it just that it just happens that um, you know, if you look at them, so what you have from the Nigerian judiciary is that if the opponents of APC forge documents, they are a goner. But if the APC does the same thing, then it is totally okay. Now, uh, somebody will say, well, why are you uh, impugning the integrity of the Supreme Court? We find that, that this particular Supreme Court does not have any integrity because they were the one who allowed Ahmed Lawan and people like Akbabio, especially Lawan, who did not contest for any primaries to actually de declare a winner of that particular election. Think about it. So the EU report clearly said that too, that this Nigerian judiciary, especially the Supreme Court, it is not even a matter of respect. You don't have any expectation of fair judgment from them anymore because it is as if they are just going down there and doing or whatever they do it and just come up with a judgment. It is as if they are just pulling judgments out of the you know, thin air. It has nothing to do with constitution. It has nothing to do with their own precedent. So imagine if a court of law in any way in any country is not following the constitution and is not following its own precedents in cases, then why would you have any hope or any inkling of saying, yes, I expect this from them? No, no, no. The only good thing that it does, just like Barista Delefarotimi said, is that it's allowing us, Nigerians, to understand that all the institutions in Nigeria, all the three branches of Nigerian government has been captured. This is what we call the total state capture. Then we will see what happens then. So, but I can guarantee you that it either would not admit it because it's at its own discretion. And if it was, if it is admitted, then it will say that it doesn't matter. Just like all the evidence adduced by the PDP, APM, LP at the appeals court, just like all those evidence didn't matter. And one, you remember one of the judges was saying, do you expect us to go find evidence for you? You know, he was asking LP that. And everybody understood that LP gave more than adequate evidence to that particular court. So anybody that has any hope of getting judgment from this Supreme Court, I will say it is a miracle if it happens. But I doubt it. Oh, wow. Strongly doubt it. These are very jaw-dropping uh, evidence and statements. Let me put this to you. This is your final question, you know. Okay. You clearly stated that 
you're not expecting the Supreme Court to do the right thing. Now, mm -hmm. we know that. Let me just ask you this. Do you think Nigeria is a failed state? Do I think Nigeria is what? A failed state. No, Nigeria has become a failed state for a long time. Oh, wow. And I'll give you a quick summary. There is a movie that was done. It's called Pack the Wolf, Brotherhood of the Wolf, where somebody was going around and terrorizing the citizens, pretending as if they are wolves, man wolves, and killing the citizens. And they sent somebody down from the, you know, from the monarch. You know what the monarch said? He said, when your citizens are not secured within your realm, within your kingdom, he said, you do not have any kingdom. Think about it. Nigerians now, I am now currently in Nigeria. I've been here since November. The Nigerian state does not provide electricity. The Nigerian state does not provide good roads. Nigerian state does not provide potable drinking water. You have to provide that for yourself. Think about it. And the last one, the most important portion of it, Nigerian state does not provide you security. Actually, the folks that were supposed to be securing you, the Nigerian police, have now turned into people who are extorting, blackmailing, and actually killing the citizens. So what else do you need to find out about a state? That is not a state. It is not even a failed state. It's a non-existing one. Yes, of course, somebody had a coat of arms. Somebody is flying in, in jets. Somebody has ministries and stuff like that. But that does not make a state make. Is there I'm a sorry. way out of all this? Yeah, is there a way out of all this? Simple thing. The way out of it is to have justice. And the way out of it is for Nigerian people, if there is no justice, for the Nigerian people to now demonstrate free. Remember what I'm saying now. Non-violently to take back their country. That is the way out of it. Or else, things are going to get worse. Now, if you recall that the uh, this morning I was just reading that the rate of exchange is now 1100 Naira to $1. Oh, wow. And that is on the parallel markets. Yet it is good for people who are in the diaspora who are earning health currency. But remember, it is the worst thing for the Nigerian people who we because nearly everything that we have been imported, everything, down to toothpicks. So the cost of everything and people are really suffering. If you look at the price, you know, even cooking gas, cooking gas went up from 900 two days, you know, after I bought it for 900 per kilogram, it went down to 1400 per kilogram. So, and how many wolves are you going to cut for people to survive and cook? So, the price of petrol, the price of kerosene, or the you know, what in the US we call gas, the price of the fuel that you put in your car went up. That is what you have to use to drive, to bring food. The place where people are actually you know, growing food have been besieged by terrorists. And the Nigerian state has failed to curb terrorism. So no food. And the little that you have had to be transported across great distance at a higher cost. The hope is this. Let's hope the Supreme Court, which is hope against hope, will render justice, which I think they will not do. And the Nigerian people will have to take the matters in their hand, not violently, and demand. Because the people who are ruining this country are less than 1%. But are the Nigerians people ready enough? We shall see. That is the only hope. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. This has been very interesting. Well, well, viewers, thank I'm you. sure are not disappointed. I mean, 
Yeah, we'll be talking to Samuel Ade, who is yes, an alumni of the University of District of Columbia. He has a BA in Political Science, you know, and was admitted to Maryland by 1996 and the District of Columbia by in 1998. He is who he says he is, yes. So thank, thank you, you, sir. I mean, thank just you, to ask you. what you said, you know, Nigeria is the only oil producing country without a functional refinery. So, um, you know, that is, that is not a state. That is, uh, that, is, that, is, that, is, that is not a state. I'm sorry. So, it is what it is. We're going to call it a wrap there. Yeah, it's a wrap, it's a wrap, it's a wrap. I know. Thank you, We're going to Thank you very much. Back. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And I wish your, um, you know, uh, viewers, you know, uh, a blessed, you know, upcoming weekend. Thank, Thank you. you very much, sir. God bless you. So to our Thank viewers, you. you are listening to Samuel Adewusi, Legal Luminary. Luminary with a lot of yes, yes, yes. He has earned his epaulet locally Thank as you. a Nigerian, internationally in the United States, you know. So the point is this. All the document tendered by the incumbent president to INEC, as we know today, are not genuine. We're not in a position, we're not the court, we're not that. Our, that's our view on Atlanta Discourse. And the only two documents we're aware of is the NYSE and the Chicago State Certificate. They are done. Those clearly did not emanate from source. They are very under very spurious circumstances. Okay. The Independent okay. National Electoral Commission has not acted independent. These are not political statements. These are not partisan statements. Those are just the facts. That's what we go for at Atlanta Discourse, just the facts. So yeah. I'm going to come back to you with another very interesting topic. But today we have done justice to the Tinubu papers, the facts and the politics of the 2023 election. Mr. Davis, we are going to call you back in no distance future. I'm sure by the time we have the Freedom of Information papers roll out, I'm going to come knocking again. Thank you, Definitely. everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you, Australia. Thank you, Antarctica. Thank you, Asia. Thank you, Europe, Africa, North America, South America. See you all later. God bless you all. Bye. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>